guys, welcome to the latest episode of this unbelievable life. I am so excited to bring some family on today. My cousin Christine and her husband, Brian. Brian is one of the most amazing athletes that I know personally, and I cannot wait for him to tell his story. But a little bit of background, Brian and Christine Toon have been enjoying life together for 20 years and looking forward to many more adventures together. Brian teaches computer science as a professor at Stanford University. Christine works at IBM as an offering manager for online database hosting. They have one kiddo finishing up their for her first year in college, and that would be Annalise, and another finishing up his junior year in high school. And as you can tell, Christine and I grew up together and our kiddos are right about the same age. Um, Brian and Christine um, have traveled the country many times for Brian's bike races. And I say Brian and Christine, but really it's the whole family. Their most recent venture is as a family was driving to Banff, and I'm hoping I pronounced that correct, but Banff, Canada, to the start of the Tour Divide mountain bike race, a two- 1175 mile race following the Rocky Mountains down to the border of Mexico in Antelope Wells, New Mexico. Guys, take it away. Well, listen, I love that um, Brian wrote that intro and I love that he he referenced the most recent one in Banff because that's probably been my favorite location he's gotten to ride his bike in and my biggest like Yes, my quickest yes when he said, Hey, I want to do this. And I was like, Yes, we're going to the start. Thank you very much. So it's beautiful. It's in the mountains. And I highly recommend people um go visit there if they can. So um Brian and I are gonna ask each other some questions um to kind of summarize our story, his story, um, our story together. So because it takes two people to um have one crazy person riding all these miles. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. <laughs> So, um, Brian, give me a quick highlight summary of your ultra cycling adventures. Because listen, he could, he goes on adventures on a weekend, but like we're gonna we're gonna focus on some of the ultra cycling adventures today. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. So uh, Nikki mentioned the uh, Tour Divide, so that is our most recent adventure, and um, we did that this past summer, and. Uh, Prior to that, I had done Race Across America twice. Um, so what's the difference between those two? So with Tour Divide, it's 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 you're on your own. You're very isolated because it, it follows the Rocky Mountains. So you're you're not on any roads. Well, you're on some dirt roads, dirt roads, some trails, um, and a lot of national forest you're going through. Um, and so you're really on your own and, and it's a lot a logistical challenge too, trying to find gas stations, places, where can I resupply, where, where can I make it, or how, how far can I make it with the water, food that I have. Um, and camping? And, and, and yes, where can I sleep, um, everything. So on the tour divide, I ended up sleeping in a cave at one point and in a... Um, uh, post office and in a um, uh, a vault toilet the, the you know the, that was I mean I he texted me about that one yeah. and he was like that was this, actually a really good he was so desperate he was like I I'm so glad I found some place to stay warm yeah. this and it, was, it, was, it, it poured down rain it was an unusual weather year we had a ton of rain that turned into snow I think it dumped almost a foot of snow um early um 
right there at the where we were crossing over from Canada into Montana, back into the U.S. Um, they had a, a very late season. This was June, June fifteenth. Uh, so on June fifteenth, they had about a foot of snow that fell on us, and um, it was a mess. <laughs> but that was pretty much the theme for the whole race. It just stayed wet, um, and so <laughs> that vault toilet was pouring down rain i'm like so you didn't take a tent though i did not take a tent i did not Why? take a tent i was hoping to be one of the um well i was hoping to win i mean it is a race so i was definitely aiming to try and win it um and the the really fast guys they just don't they 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 look for those kinds of shelters um that you can find along the way just just to save weight so you're not carrying the weight of a tent because you're not necessarily sleeping from like 9 p.m to 9 right 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 uh the second to last day way down in uh north of silver just north of silver city new mexico. uh new mexico i went through the gila national forest and it was pouring down rain again, thunderstorms, raining, and it was, it was about 100 miles of no shelter, and I was trying to do that overnight, because I was trying to make up some time, and so I was trying to do that overnight, and I got super sleepy, I was like, I've got to find some place to sleep, and, um, and so I ended up finding three, three different, so over, over the night, there was three different basically uh these big cedar pine trees that have a little bit more I mean they're still pine trees but they have a little bit more you know bushy leaf type covering and so I was able to get a little bit out of the rain um you know for I think 30 minutes the first time um just maybe not even fully asleep the second time and then maybe another 30 minutes that third time I woke up so cold and this is New Mexico, almost July. I mean, this was almost the end of, this was by the end of June now. And I'm like, how am I freezing cold in New Mexico near the end of June? It was a very weird weather year, um, for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the tour divide. And then the race ended up being 2,000, it was actually closer to 3,000 miles, 2,700 miles. And the uh, afterwards, I rode I rode home. So from New Mexico to get home to Alabama, you've got to cross New Mexico, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and then Alabama. And then by now it's the beginning of July. So so this is Texas in the summer. Um, and it ended up being I ended up just riding at night most of the time because it was just way too hot during the day. So he pitched this to me. I, of course, wanted to go to Canada to Banff, which is kind of like Breckenridge. So gorgeous. I was like, yes, I'm all in. Kids, we're going to take a trip to Canada. Fantastic. Greatest road trip of our family life. Um, but then I didn't really want to like go to the middle of nowhere, New Mexico, Mexico border to get him like two weeks later. I mean, I didn't really have the time or the care I was like it was like and, and he could have he, he could have gotten a train he could have gotten a train but he was like I can ride it'll be fine 
it'll be fine. I can ride home. I'll get, I'll finish the race and get in a hotel. And then I'm going to do this ride through Texas and Uvalde, the shooting had just happened and he wanted to ride through there and, and just see the memorial um, stuff. And so I was like, okay, that's fine. You could get a train at any point along this route, pretty much yep. home. Yep. Um, so when we came back from Canada, we left him at the start. He started the race. We cheered him on. And then we came back through the middle of nowhere, Canada, through a border patrol location. So here's here's how our border crossings differed, okay? Brian was also in the middle of nowhere, but we crossed in the middle of nowhere, North Dakota. We pulled up to the border. They said, hand us your passport. So I had Annalise, um, 17. I had Josiah, 15, and me. I handed them three passports. Um, and they said, how many of you are? There's three of us. And she said, where are you going? I said, well, we're going um, home to Alabama. Um, where are you coming from? I said, well, we were in Banff. And she said, what are you doing there? This is where I'm an American citizen coming back into the U.S. I did not really think it was going to be interrogated quite so harshly. And what were you doing? I said, well, my husband was doing a bike race. And then she shook her head and was like, well, where's your husband? I He's doing the bike race. But I mean, he... And she was like, where's the bike race going? And I was like, well, it's going from Banff down to New Mexico to the Mexican border. It's what? It's going to it's going to Mexico. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, and you're not going to go pick him up. And I was like, no, I was like, there's there's trains. And she looked so confused. <laughs> she's like, why is there a bike on the back of your car? And I was like, well, that's my that's my son's bike. And at this point, she was like, okay, you can go. <laughs> and my my crossing. I was like, I know nobody understands my life. It's it's complicated. <laughs> my my crossing was um um there was nobody there. So I mean, like the, the border patrol guy was there, but there was no no waiting. <laughs> so I just rode up to it. And as I'm getting close, he's like, Hi, Brian. <laughs> and, and it, it turns out he you know they we, they do this race every year and so they know that you're gonna have all these people coming and it's actually a worldwide race so they the the i'd say less than half probably probably under half of of the racers are american and then there's a bunch of canadians and then there's also a bunch of people from europe i mean all over the world really probably mostly from europe but um that that come do this race, which makes it a logistical. The border's going to be getting <laughs> all these people from all over the world coming. So so they know and they're tracking the race and they they can see based on our satellite trackers who's coming. And so that's how he knew it was it was me coming. So I got interrogated and he got like greeted with like a well like a single man welcoming committee by name. So yeah, and I just I, I had hilarious. To, I had to hand him my passport and he, all he did was like literally looked at it and handed it right back to me. Um, and was like, all right, bye. <laughs> I was afraid my agent was going to ask to look in the trunk to see if his body was there or something. <laughs> so, okay. So that was the tour divide. You mentioned this thing called the race across America. Yes. Very vastly different because that one is all on roads. Um, and it's supported. So Christine, um, and a bunch of my friends from from here in Birmingham played a big role in that. They were all on the crew that were in a car that followed behind me the whole way. 
And so, I mean, it's completely different. Um, so does that take you like 30 days? Oh, no, no. So that race is about 400 miles longer. So just over 3,000 miles. And it took me eight days less. So because because you could basically just ride constantly and sleep sleep on the side of the road for an hour and get back on the bike and ride some more. Or a hotel. We had booked some hotels, too, and do quick sleep and then let the crew sleep. Um, so what was your miles per hour average? And this was all road cycle. All road. Yep. So what was your miles per hour average for one or both of the two race across Americas on the road? So I think the, the, um, um, it was interesting on the first year, my, my, um, uh, my overall average speed, because that does include sleeping. It ends up being about 12 miles an hour, I think. Um, but that includes all the time that you're stopped sleeping and um but the the rolling speed so when you were moved it was actually 17 miles an hour in 2015 but in 2017 when we did it again it was a mile an hour slower but overall i was nearly a i mean like 18 hours faster i think because i didn't sleep as much you know and we didn't we didn't waste as much time like where i i just didn't want to be on the bike I would think of everything I could possibly think of to sit on the side of the road for a little bit longer in 2015. Whereas in 2017, I kind of knew a little bit more about how my body would feel and, and, and things to expect. And, and I didn't have as many problems with my feet. Um, in 2015, I had uh, some huge problems with my, my feet at less than halfway into the race. Um, and that just made riding miserable. Um, whereas in 2017, what we had, you know, different shoes and different preparation, and that one went much smoother. Um, and I, I enjoyed that one. I mean, both both races were great, and both crews were great. But I just the 2017 with that experience from having done it once before, um, just made the 2017 one so much more enjoyable and faster. I I do have to say, in the hindsight, like the first week or two after all of these races, he is often in a, I will never do this again, just like many of us feel about having kids. And then the further away you get, you think, well, that wasn't so bad. What a great sense of accomplishment. <laughs> I should do that again. Right. This is, this is true. This is true. Um, okay. Um, do you have any questions? Sure. What's it like being on the other side? That's a good question. Um, so Brian rides a lot. It's funny. We were at a car dealership the other day looking at cars and they, he rode up and they asked how many miles a week he rode. The guy was like, like 40. Isn't that what he said? He said something. And Brian was like, no, like 400. And the guy like didn't even know how to process that. So he commutes by bike um, to work and does a lot of riding just around before and after work. And then um, some long rides on the weekend. Um, just, an ultracycle, like the life of an ultracyclist is that if we're going somewhere, like we're going to a beach trip in Savannah, Brian will say, hey, can I leave two days ahead of time so I can ride there? Or I say, hey, we're going up to Indiana to see my family for Thanksgiving. And he says, oh, oh, I have always wanted to ride yes. from Alabama, where we live. That, that was still such an incredible, that, that adventure, that was 2016. That to was where incredible. he lives all the way, except 
ask where Nikki lives because he had to go to the border of Michigan because right. he had to feel like he completed the state of Indiana top right. to bottom. Right, right, right. <laughs> so there are always these quirks of, of, I just assume that he's going to prefer to ride somewhere and throw the bike in the car at some point. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. I, I, I kind of look at it as a lot of, a lot of wives have husbands with different, I'm not going to say obsessions. People might be saying that in their, in their mind, that's fine. Or deep passions, whether it's motorcycles or home improvement projects or golf. Um, this is my husband's and yes, it's, it's, it's got its own quirks. But then again, I do watch TV shows like people climbing Mount Everest and go, well, I'm super glad that that's not my husband. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what, tell us your most memorable moment. Like I know you could take, tell yeah. us 47 moments from the tour divide. Cause he really did love that experience. Yeah. Tell us your most memorable moment on the tour divide. The tour divide. So, like, from a from a positive, the positive side on tour divide um, was early on those first days in Canada. Um, just in those Rocky Mountains, it was just amazing. The Canadian Rockies—they're they're so sharp and they're really rugged, and they're right there. It's not like. Like we like I rode right through the Colorado Rockies as well, but the mountains in Colorado are actually bigger, which means they're they're farther out too. Whereas the Canadian Rockies are just really sharp and right there. Um, and so it it was just I mean it was hundreds of miles of that. I mean at some point I'm like well I guess I can't take any more pictures. I, mean, I think I ended up taking like fifteen hundred pictures on the ride, um, just all with my cell phone. Um, but the, um, I mean, that was, that was, a, that was a positive experience. So the other one, <laughs> oh yes, we slept in an oil shed. So that was another place I slept, um, in Wyoming. There, the, one of the, the most isolated parts of the race is actually Wyoming, where you go through what they call the Great Basin, which is, um, where the, the, um, Continental Divide, splits so the continental the the rocky mountain continental divide splits the the country in half you know the water on the west side goes to the pacific water on the east side goes to the gulf or atlantic um but in wyoming there's this there's this big section where the divide itself splits and comes around and you you're you're left with this huge area called the great basin that has no natural water outlet and it's basically a high desert um and there's no services. So there's a hundred miles. There's nothing. <laughs> like, I mean, there's a hundred miles between you, you, you don't even, you start in a, basically almost a ghost town. You start when you're crossing that section, you start in this ghost town area. I mean, it, there's, there's people that live there, but it's a very historic old town. Tiny. tiny. I mean, it's like straight out of the old West. Um, and you go from there to a Love's truck stop a hundred miles later. That is only there because I I eighty I eighty is crossing the Great Basin right there, and so that's there's a there's a tiny little town around this truck stop 
called Wamsutter, and you um, and that's it. So you have no resupply for that hundred mile stretch. And the the thing about our weather this year wasn't just the overall rain. You also had the monsoon season. So the monsoon season had started, and so that's where these desert areas will get these these torrential rains. Um, which turns everything to what what everybody calls peanut butter mud. Um, and so we are riding, and I say we because I had um, connected, that, that in itself is a hilarious story, but um, prior to the start of this section, four of us had arrived in the town before at the same time and we were all wanting to end there i i was actually way ahead of them but i had gone to the next town the next town had one place to to sleep and they wouldn't let me sleep there so i had to bike all the way back i had to bike 11 miles back to the previous town hey listen i just have to interject here that there's nothing more infuriating to a cyclist than having to bike backwards on something that they have already ridden. you already because I've already ridden 11 miles this way. <laughs> now I've got to ride 11 miles back. And the next day I have to ride those same 11 miles again. Um, he, he had to be on the phone with me for this. Luckily there was service and he was like, I need to stay on the phone with you. I am so demoralized. Yeah. I'm like, I, I, I cannot ride this stretch by myself without talking to, to you right now because I will just not do it. Um, so, so anyway, so I made it back into town as the others were arriving. Um, and one of, one of, one of the, uh, uh, the, actually the lead woman in the race was one of the people coming in. She's from Belgium and, um, she, uh, she was just dying laughing. She's like, we're the, we're the worst racers ever because she was just like, she's like, I can't, she couldn't believe she was in the lead because she didn't feel like she was riding fast, although she was fast. Um, and, and she's like, and you're riding the wrong way. Cause you, <laughs> And I'm like, yep, I agree. And I said, it gets better. I'm going to keep going the wrong way so that I can hit 250 miles for the day. I'm not going to stop at 249 miles. Anyway, so I did. I rode another half mile and then another half mile back to make it to make it all the way up to 250 miles for the Cyclists day. Cyclists are a little obsessed with numbers. Yes. But but anyway, um, so... So y'all got up the next morning. We all got up. I mean, not. I mean, we we were staying in different places. I think I was the only one at the rabbit, the rabbit inn or whatever it was called. I was the only one there, and I got up. I thought I got up. I thought I'm gonna leave way before them. But I was up at like four thirty, um, and this guy Steve Large from um, near Birmingham, England. Um, we live here in Birmingham, Alabama, but he rides up he ride faster than me so he, he ended up riding up catching me as, as we're going that 11 mile stretch and i'm like oh this is the best thing ever and i, I told him the whole story i was like i'm so glad you are here right now we can ride this stretch together these 11 miles because again i've already ridden this twice it's my third time riding these 11 miles um and and so uh so so we do that and um zoe the the um Shout her lot. She she ended up catching us, 
not long after. She's faster than both of us for sure. Um, and she caught us, passed us, and then we caught back up to her when she was stopping for lunch at that ghost town. And so, she, she, I mean, she she was only like maybe 10 minutes ahead of us. Um, so she was in her lunch already and we were, we, we got our lunch and then we saw her, you know, she's kind of going fast and everything. And, and, and the primary reason was we had a massive tailwind. And the, the, the rule is if you're in the Great Basin and you have a tailwind, you just don't stop because th that, that section is notorious for massive headwinds that make it practically impossible to ride. I mean, you're just not going anywhere. Um, and we had a nice tailwind. And so she finished up. So we were like scrambling and getting all done so we could kind of leave together. She took off first. Um, this is how windy it was, though. And thankfully, it was a tailwind. So we had our bikes outside. She's gone by this point. Steve is getting his bike and I'm getting my bike, you know, getting all the stuff back on the bike and my helmet, my helmet blows off the bike and my, my gloves, those, the, the mittens that I had bought, um, uh, fell out of the helmet and I kid you not, they were like gone. Uh, so I ended up, running after them like probably three or four blocks that's not an exaggeration way down the road and, and i mean this is like a 30 mile an hour wind and um and got them and then came back um and by that point steve's gone so i'm riding and i'm going now and i've got 100 miles to this loves i'm like okay next stop 100 miles loves and i am like a little bit nervous about it and and you get out there and I'm probably in there about 10 miles and I could see Steve every now and then up ahead. I could see him and I hadn't seen anything. And this is about 10 miles now. Nothing. I mean, there was just, just basically this really high desert. Um, and it started to hit on me. It was like, if Steve leaves, <laughs> he's gone. There's nobody. So, I, I I just started riding very fast <laughs> and I, I caught up to him. Just, uh, it wasn't that long. It was probably a couple miles. It probably took me a couple miles. I caught up to him and said, okay, I'm going to ride with you. <laughs> so, uh, so we can be together. And, and right about that time, we noticed the thunderstorms. So there was these big thunderstorms forming and, and you've got this wide open sky. So you can kind of see and you're gauging, okay, which way is that moving? Which way is our route moving? And then we were like, oh, no. Yeah, that's coming for us. And so we are riding, riding, riding. We are both starting to really ride fast. And we're like, where's Zoe? And turns out she was also had observed all of this as well with the storm. And she had been riding like crazy, too, like super fast. Um, and the storm is almost on us. And I'm like looking off to the left. And I had seen like a oil well or something. Um, I was like, look at that, off to the left. And Steve's like, there's Zoe. And it's, he's looking off to the right. And I turn and there's this massive like shed um, in the middle. That's the first thing we had seen. That the oil well I saw, that's why I was looking at that oil well on the left. It's like, oh my gosh, it's something. There's actually something there. And this is probably 40 to 50 miles into this stretch now. Um, but the first thing I saw was that oil well. 
And then just off to the right was this big shed that had several large tractors in it. Um, and and the, the storm is about to hit us. Um, and so we're like, well, let's see, see if anything's open. We crawl inside or something. And sure enough, I mean, it wasn't locked, so we could just crawl inside. And we ended up sleeping there. So the three of us ended up um, just waiting out the storm. It wasn't super long, like maybe an hour. Um, but then every, that turned everything to mud. Everything was just crazy mud. Steve, Steve stepped outside the shed, put his foot down, and then picked picked it up. And there's probably like an inch of an inch of mud on the bottom of his foot just from one step down. And so that's really hard to ride in. So we're like, let's just wait, and hopefully it'll dry out a bit because it is desert. Um, and that's what we ended up doing. So that's probably that honestly, that's probably one of the most memorable things, um, was that time. That was, that was, that was, that was an adventure for sure. <laughs> that's so funny. Just imagining when he first told me this story, he went into more details about what the shed was like, and it really did sound like something out of a cyclist adventure, um, documentary crossed with a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there I, was, there I was, was like, this sounds just straight out of it. Like there was a chainsaw massacre. Well, I mean, there was, there was, um, th there was a, a little bed set up because what happens is if those oil workers are out there and one of these storm sets, they can't drive their trucks. They can't, they can't leave either because it's, um, I mean, you, you definitely can't drive in it. Um, so yeah, it looked like they had that all set up, and this is still fifty miles from Walmsutter. Um, all right, so tell tell everyone about our, our first ride together. <laughs> so of course, like most of us, I rode a bike a little bit growing up, but just just a little bit. Um, when Brian and I met, um, he invited me to go for a bike ride, um, but I didn't have a bike. But he happened to have two bikes. Lucky me. Um, so he's like, you can use my mountain bike, but you'll have to use my shoes because I have clip-in pedals. So no problem. He's on his road bike. I'm on his mountain bikes. We go for this fun ride in Texas and we get back and I'm, you know, I'm all at Twitter. Like I'm, I'm like giddy for, for this guy that I kind of like, and it's just been this great ride. And like, we pull up to the building where we're going to stop and I hit the brakes and my feet are still clipped in. And so the bike tips over and I tip over with the bike and Brian reaches out. I was trying to save her. To grab the bike. And I ended up grabbing the bike and she she fell off anyway. So yes. I ended up saving the bike <laughs> and she fell off. Anyway, I sprained my wrist a little bit and he spent a couple of days apologizing. And then finally I was like, okay, stop. Like he was like, I'll take you out for dinner. I'm, and finally I was like, dude, uh, are you taking me out just because you feel bad or because you want to take me out because I'm over your like feeling bad. So that was one of yeah. our, one of our first, um, yeah. dates. Um, and how we ride together now, yeah. um, yeah. we, uh, we are both a part of the, um, the local, we have an Alabama cycling association. And so, um, when Josiah started in sixth grade, um, Brian decided he would um, onboard as a coach with them. And later in the season, Annalise decided she would ride with the team as well. And by the end of the season, I decided I needed a mountain bike because finally, as most people listening know, if you have kids, your family life goes 
all various directions. But all of a sudden we were going to have this one thing where we were all going to practice on Sunday afternoon as a family. And it was great. So that was five years ago, six yeah, years ago. Right, huh? Um, just, I was in sixth grade and he's in, uh, 11th grade now. So, um, we're on our sixth year of that. And now I am, um, the head coach and the team director of our team. Annalise likes to call me the emotional support coach. I'm an emotional support coach. I'm not the greatest cycling coach, but I'm an A plus. You are. You a are. plus Absolutely. emotional support coach. Absolutely. Um, so he's still coaching with the guys and Josiah is, uh, he is, he is one of the top riders on our team now. And Annalise rides her bike every now and then at college. I mean, she doesn't have it at college, but when she comes home, so. Okay. Me back to your ultra things. Oh, let me, let me look at our time here. Let's see yes, what we got. He says it in the corner. Okay. Okay. Um, we've got, we've got just a little bit less. Let's, um, how do you how how do you keep riding so long? Like you talk about this riding for like days, like like in the race across America, you would ride for twenty one hours and you would sleep for three, and then the tour divide. Sometimes you rode for more than twenty four hours at yeah. a time. How do you keep pedaling? Now look at the clock right there. Yeah. How do you like? Yeah. How do you keep pedaling? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's there's a a part of it is that of it is definitely I'm very goal oriented. So the make it to the end, no matter what, you know, doing everything I can to make it to the end. And so part of that is you got to ride your bike. <laughs> so that that's definitely a huge motivator. Um, but I mean, I do uh, in, in general, it's, it's, especially, I mean, in the races, but even around town, I mean, I, I could ride to work and back in about, I think it's about seven miles each way. But I mean, a typical day would be 40 to 50 miles long. So, I mean, I'm always, I mean, one, I do like to ride the bike. I just, just like it, the exercise and everything. But also I'm, I'm always finding things. It's always just an adventure. It's always just seeing things like right now it's the pollen, which uh, thankfully it's not the, the kind that I'm super allergic to yet. That's another month or so, but um, it's just incredible to see these, these, uh, vistas of just this yellowish it's like you're in some sort of movie or something where this yellow tint over everything um so you know i mean that's just as an example so that that helps motivate a lot so there's always you're always looking for the yeah, yeah 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 and i was i was gonna say i think mickey could echo this too um Sometimes it really is just mind over matter. You just keep moving your legs, right, Nikki? Like, I know you've done a marathon. I've done a marathon. I know that in the scope of things, a marathon isn't riding across America or riding from Canada to um, to Mexico. But I really think having a goal, you can almost always keep your keep your body moving. There's There's such a mental a mental part of it just to keep your body moving and having a goal. So, um, I'm going to hand it over to Nikki now. Is that all right? Yeah. 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 Well, with that all said, um, I just think what you have done and as a family have done, is just absolutely incredible. And and you talk about the mental, I think it's a, a mental strength. You have to have that, that, that wherewithal and that mental strength to put one foot in front of the other or to pedal that much farther. And, and you have that in spades. And I just can't tell you how impressed I am. And, and we talk about this unbelievable life 
you, sir, should have been on a life. I have always loved watching your races when they satellite track you. Um, I, I, I'm not jealous in any way, shape, or form because that's all you guys. Um, but, but it's fun. It is definitely fun to watch, and yeah. and and for sure, you know, um, I'll post some information, um, you know, just to kind of recap this, but. Um, if anybody has any questions, they're more than welcome to reach out to me and I'll get in touch with Brian and Christine. But other than that, thank you all so much for listening. And I hope sure. you're- thanks. Well, that's a wonderful day.